Amen. Praise God. That was awesome. It's awesome to worship with you. I mean, it really is. It was good. Hey, I want to welcome you today. I am excited you're here. I uh, hope that it's just an amazing day for you as we get ready to dig in. Uh, we're on my all-time favorite subject today, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Uh, so I can't wait to talk about that with you. Um, let me give you a couple quick heads up. One, if you're brand new here, uh, we love having you. There is one time in the service we want you to be aware of, and that is the invitation time. And during that time, it's just not okay to leave. It's not okay to slip out. So, uh, you know, we need you to wait till uh, after we've given people a chance to pray, to say yes to God, to come forward. Like even while they're coming forward, stay in your place. Uh, we just don't want to be a distraction. But even more, we want to celebrate people who come. We want to be excited about that. But as we have entered into 24-7, which we began this two-year vision, we're already hearing story after story of transformed lives. Uh, people saying, man, I've never had the word start coming alive to me like it is right now. Uh, I, I've never, I can't believe what God has done or how God led or how God guided. And by the way, I got a feeling we don't have all your stories. We'd like to get all your stories together. Uh, is one of the exciting things is this. We sold out of journals faster than we could imagine. We've now got them back. But thousands of people went and bought journals uh, to make sure they could be in God's word every day. And so afterwards today, we do have some, but are you ready for this? The last two hours almost bought us out again. Uh, you know, so they're out there right now. We protected them for you. Evening service, probably not. But, uh, but it's pretty cool. It's exciting. Uh, the other thing I want to tell you, um, I am thrilled by this. I don't know if you're going to be. 967 cards have already come in. 967 cards checked off. And uh, for all of you who did that, I want to thank you. But if you haven't done it yet today, I want to encourage you to do so over the next couple of weeks. Get them in. Then November 20th, we're calling Celebration Sunday. So November 20th, it's a few weeks out. What we want to do is we want to celebrate what God's doing. We want to share with you about our church family. We want to let you know where we're headed together now that we really have better information. So uh, we want your cards in ahead of that. As a matter of fact, I also got to say thank you for the people who tend in cards because you've now told us that we can expect to pray and plan for $8 million to go and touch lives, uh, which that's, that's pretty cool out of just that number of people. So where we're headed together is incredible. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Check off your card, pray about it, get it into us, and we'll get moving together on that. Um, another date I want to tell you about is this Saturday. This Saturday is November 5th, and I know it's going to sound really... Like, what? What are you talking about? So get ready. We want to show a movie in here. I want to have a movie night. It, it'll build community for our church. It'll be a great time together. And the movie's called November Christmas. It is a touching, heartwarming, heartwarming movie. But what it's going to show you is the emotion and the issues of what we want to have addressed and reached out to in December when we talk about loving like Jesus loved. And so I want to encourage you to be here. I want to have you bring friends. Uh, it's going to be a good time. The, all the adults will be in here. The children will be in the Plex for their own movie. Uh, that night at 530, we're going to have food trucks all out there because we want to have food together. And I want to tell you, we have some amazing food trucks coming. We have the Koji uh, uh, Korean taco truck, which is the most famous food truck in the world. It will be here. We also have a cheese truck, which is a heart attack waiting to happen. But if you're going to die, die happy. So grab that. We have the cupcake truck. 
we have a, a meat and potatoes truck. We have the Go Country truck, which is going to broadcast on country what's happening here. I, it, there's like, I think, nine or ten trucks going to be showing up. And so I've already prayed that the tr- uh, trucks will come, the food will come, but the calories won't come with it. So it's just like, come and eat. I don't think you'll gain any weight at all. But, but just, and we'll share together, we'll eat together, we'll come in here. And by the way, are you ready? Next week is Time Change Sunday. So even though you'll be here, you still get an extra hour's sleep. Now, I know some of you are going, wait, wait, I thought we didn't change the clocks. We do on this one. We do. It's the evil time change in the spring that takes sleep. We don't touch that one. But this one we do. So I want to encourage you. This Saturday, be here. November 20th, be here. Don't miss out. And I I really think you're going to be blessed by the whole time together. Well, I am on cloud nine for uh, uh, one reason more than any other. My wife, Pam, is back. And... um, for those of you who didn't know, Pam, along with Mike Long, one of our executive pastors, Lisa Mitchison, who's a head of our global outreach department, and uh, Nazareth, who's a wonderful part of our church family, they all went to Israel. And uh, Mike came up to me just beaming. He said, Chuck, he goes, the work we're going to do there, the lives that are going to be touched. And Pam told me about how Mike got to sit with a man who's a Christian man who has been ministering for over 30 years, but he's come to the end of his rope. It's not that God's done with them. He just doesn't know what to do next. And so they went and looked at what he's doing to touch children's lives. And Mike sat down with him and said, you know what? We're going to help you. And I think we can help you more than you think. And Pam said, this man just started crying. He goes, Crossroads will help me do this. And by the way, because of your faithfulness, we told him, yes, we're going to help him. We're going to go make a difference. And Pam, I, I said to her, Pam, I go, was there like one moment that stood out for you spiritually? And, and right away she said, no, there were three. She goes, but if she had to choose one, the one moment, they were at the garden tomb and in the garden tomb, they have different areas for your group to gather so you can have your own time together. And she said, she sat down with Mike and Lisa and Nazareth and she looked up and could see Golgotha and she said, oh, it looked like a skull. And she thought about Jesus being crucified there. And she looked at the tomb. We don't know if it's the tomb, but it's close. She looked at the tomb and thought, he would have been buried here. And he would have risen here. And she, she said it was so real, you couldn't believe it. And then she noticed a group of people coming, and they were dressed in very bright attire, just super bright. And, and they were Indians from India. And, and we have a heart for that because our daughter-in-law is Indian. And so whenever we see people from India, we're like, oh, one day our daughter-in-law, you know, could come to the Lord. And so she said they were walking up and Pam began to wonder in her mind, well, are they tourists or, or do they know the Lord? And, and she said when they got there, they gathered together and they got on their knees and started praying. She said the emotion started. She felt her body tingle. And then they started singing, but it was in a different dialect. So she couldn't understand what they're saying. But she said it just, then she started to be overwhelmed. And then... They all of a sudden started singing in English, he is Lord, he is Lord, Christ Jesus is Lord. And she said she just started crying. When she thought about the risen Lord who came for all people, all nations, all tongues, for every color under heaven to be his child. And she looks up at these people worshiping God. And she thought, God, this is what you wanted. This is your will being done. She goes, I got to tell you the second one. The second's when I went to a Palestinian church in Ramallah. And she said it was packed. Not a very big building, but it was so packed they couldn't get anybody else in. And she got inside kind of wondering what to expect from this Palestinian Christian service. And the worship began. And she goes, the only way I could describe it, it was celebratory, but that's not the description. It was dancing. 
She goes, you can't go to this Palestinian church and not dance. Everybody dances. And they dance out of love for God and they dance out of joy for God. And then she said she's worshiping, thinking about the Indian Christians and thinking, this is what the Lord wants. He wants everybody in the world reached. And she goes, I just felt like more than ever, I was attaching myself to the heart of God. I was in touch with what he desires. And I want you to think about that because you know what? We all come to Jesus. We all come to the same foundation in scripture. But culturally, we give birth to different ways of celebrating, but that's the beauty of it. By the way, are you ready? The church is not supposed to be colorblind. We're supposed to love every color in it. Every color in it. And, and that's what we want to talk about today. Father, I pray today that your spirit, oh, your spirit would be blessed and pleased by our hearts, our minds, our commitment to you. And in these last days, may we be used to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I got to tell you, you, I don't know if you could catch, that was the hardest thing we've ever tried to do, and they did incredible, didn't they? And Pam came up to me, and she said, Chuck, you've got to tell everybody that was Casey singing. 
She was dancing and singing like that. I, and and I, in fact, I want a recording of it. But, uh, but I, you know, that was tough. And a lot of people go, oh, no, she lip synced. No, that was all her, man. And so I want you to know that. I, um, I also am guessing that all the dancers lost 15 pounds preparing for this. But uh, it was just a lot of fun. Turn in your Bibles. And uh, you can see the verses coming up, but if you have to get ahead a little to be in one, be at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I, I'd love to have you in Luke 21 also, but especially 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and then right later on, Revelation 11. You don't want to miss those. But, but I want you to know that God is moving, and the reality of how God's moving is amazing. And when we talk about being 24-7, when we talk about the Asashama, which comes from Exodus 24-7, that, Lord, all that's written in your word we will do, and then we'll understand, then we'll hear, then we'll get it, that we would never hold back from you. What it's about this week and next week, I want you to catch, is tuning in to God. It's like dialing the radio dial so that now you hear from him perfectly. You're just aligned with him so God can move in you. And, and God wants to do that. God wants to, to touch and reveal. And in these days we live in, we're watching him do it like no other. There's an area of the world called the 1040 window. It's, it's the coordinates 1040. And for the last years, we've heard mission groups and mission groups say it's the most unreached area of the world. It's the darkest when it comes to the light of Christ. It's the, the one that we haven't been able to be effective in until now. Now here's what's wild. Now it is. Now God has started doing things beyond what we can imagine. And, and what we're seeing happen is a revival taking place that doesn't make any sense because it's in the midst of the most intense persecution. Um, a man uh, uh, who was living in, in that area uh, was, was having a dream. And in his dream, he, he heard a word he had never heard before. It was Jesus. And he was told that he needed to go to a particular street and he could see it in his dream in another city that he had never been to in his life. And there he would be told of Jesus and hear his gospel. Now, the man had never, ever heard the word Jesus and he didn't know what gospel meant. But it so compelled him. It so got to him that even though he was under-resourced financially, he thought, I've got to get there. It was a two-week journey to the city he had never been to with people he never had known. When he got there, he walked to where he believed in his dream, the street show that, that he saw, and, and he looked, and it was exactly like he dreamed it. And he walked up and knocked on the door of the house he was told to go to, and the man who opened the door was one of only three Christians in that whole city. And he said, I'm here to hear of Jesus and the gospel. And the man goes, oh, and brought him in. And those four got together and started a revival in that city. Now, now, what I want you to know is those things are happening now. You might say, well, haven't they always been happening? Well, clearly they were happening in the Bible. But are you knowing something? Today they're happening right now. You know why? Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Neil Ripkin, who's a missionary that, that operates in the 1040 window, said this. He goes, it's very clear that everything that God has done in the Bible, God is still doing. Everything we see God doing in Scripture, we're watching it happen today. Dreams and visions. Peter, when he stood up at Pentecost, he quoted the prophet Joel. And he said in the last days that God would call the old men to dream dreams and the young men to see visions. That God would visit the Spirit down that way. And when we tune into God, we begin to have God guide us. 
We begin to have God protect us, show us things, call us to moments. We begin to live what's in scripture. That's what this is about. Don't miss that's what it's about. And when you do all four of these things, you tune in more than ever to God. It's about tuning into a God who loves you and cares about you. Khalil was a jihadist who lived in Egypt. He had a hatred for Christians, even more for Americans. And uh, he was commissioned by the radical group that he worked for to actually write a research paper to help disprove the Bible. There was concern now that this has been breaking out, uh, this revival starting to take place, that they needed to find a way to attack it. He had never opened a Bible before. So he got one and he opened it up and he said he was amazed. He was awestruck by the things in it. You and I might take it for granted. He sat there not almost able to put it down. And the more he read, the more he read, he found himself being convinced, but it scared him because the group he worked for might kill him if he let him know that. And then in the midst of all this research, he was on a bus and someone stole his briefcase. And, and his Bible was in it. And he thought, there goes my Bible and there goes all my research. Well, then what happened is that night he had a dream. And in the dream, Jesus appeared to him. And Jesus said, your Bible's in the closet. And he woke up and he thought, what? And he went and opened the closet and there his Bible sat. By the way, he had never, ever once put it in the closet. And he was positive it was in the briefcase. And he ended up giving his life to Christ. Now, all I'm telling you is when we go, whoa, did that happen? Yeah, it's not only going to happen there, it's going to happen here. And by the way, the stories we're getting, it's happening in your lives too. God loves to do this. God loves to guide us. God loves to speak to us. And we're in a time like no other. And we need to lock ourselves into these days and times where God's desire is to reach the last person for him because we're in the last days. Now, I know that every now and then, as a matter of fact, recently I had people kind of write to me saying, Chuck, come on, they've been saying this for thousands of years. I want to tell you that, that even though that's true, That doesn't mean we're not in the last days. Just because you go, well, they were wrong then. See, the problem you need to think about is this. What does the Bible say about being in the last days? And and is this time unique? Because I want to tell you it is. There has never been a time like this before. A thousand years ago, it wasn't like this. Uh, The things that have happened in our day and time. As a matter of fact, Jesus gave the great sign. He said he gave lots of signs of his coming, but he said there's one that will happen before all others. Before I start the signs of my coming that you need to keep your eye on, he said, I want to tell you what's going to happen. Jerusalem, this is in Luke chapter 21, will be besieged. The Romans will lay siege to it. They're going to pillage, they're going to destroy, and they're going to cast all of you out of the land of Israel. By the way, in 70 AD, that happened. 40 years after Jesus said it, Titus, the Roman general, surrounded the city of Jerusalem, laid siege to it. It was a horrible time. They ended up sacking the city. They ended up casting the Jews out of the promised land, just like Jesus said. Then he said that you will be dispersed amongst all nations and Jerusalem will be handed into non-Jewish hands until the time of the Gentiles or the non-Jews is fulfilled. Then it will be given back to you, and then the signs of my coming will happen. So if anybody said, well, yeah, you know what? The Lord's going to come, but Jerusalem doesn't belong to the Jewish people. They weren't speaking correctly, biblically. In 1948, Israel became a nation. Out of nowhere, just God moved, a miracle happened. Israel was a nation again, but Jerusalem did not belong to them. And in 1967, in the Six-Day War, the great sign was fulfilled. Now, I want you to know that you already take it for granted right now, but that was a miraculous thing, that God gave the Jewish people back the city of Jerusalem. And in Luke 21, verse 24, it says this. 
And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled upon underfoot by Gentiles or non-Jews until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. So we're supposed to look for a day that the Jewish people were given back Jerusalem. And we're in that day right now. But Paul, the apostle in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, he began to talk about two great signs we also should watch for. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Notice how it begins. Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or disturbed by a, a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us as to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. He said, I don't want you shaken up. I don't want you to have anything rock your world. He goes, because I want to tell you there's two signs to watch for. But I want to have you look at what it says in verse 1. We request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. That's what we call the rapture. A day when we're caught up to be with the Lord. And I know for people who don't know Jesus, it sounds like, are you kidding? Could this happen? Well, the Bible says it's going to happen. Jesus said it's going to happen. And we're going to be caught up with him. But he said, how are you going to know when that day comes? Look at verse 3. I don't, or verse 3. Let no one in any way deceive you. For it will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness, who's the Antichrist, is revealed the son of destruction. It will not come unless the apostasy comes first. And the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness, is revealed. Those two signs. Jerusalem must be in the hands of the Jews. There must be a great apostasy. There must be the revealing of the Antichrist. Now, the word apostasy means literally to defect from. You would have to be a part of something and defect from it. Another way to use that word apostasy is to divorce from. You have to be married to something and divorce from it. And the idea that's here is this, that there would be many, many people who would turn away from the true church and from the teachings of the Bible. A great falling away within the church is a sign of the last days. And in Timothy, Paul said, now the Holy Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times, there will be those who depart from the faith. They're going to be those who turn away. And I want to tell you, while we haven't seen it yet, I believe with all my heart, the seeds of the apostasy are now taking root. And, and it's scary what's going on. It's scary because I think the reality is people are being set up because they're biblically illiterate and ignorant. There's a famine in the land today of the teaching of the true word of God. And, and we're watching people sucked in to a, a theology that's not from the Lord. Recently, a Christian leader in this country that everybody says is a Christian leader stood up and actually said in a news conference that a group who could not be more anti-Christian, could not be more contrary to the teaching of Jesus Christ, he called them Christians to be embraced. And his church cheered for him. The word's clear this group could not be Christian. The teachings of God and what they believe. And he stood up and said, no, in the name of love, we just have to embrace each other. What's going on? Well, I'll tell you what's going on. It's right out of a prophecy from Isaiah chapter 5 where it says, woe to you who call good evil and evil good. Who call light darkness and darkness light. We live in that day. And lots of people are being sucked into it because they're not studying and clinging to the word of God. You already know that a book came out. That, that said that the reality is, is that somehow, some way, all paths lead to God. And you go, well, that's not shocking. Well, it came out from a pastor. And the shocking thing was it wasn't clearly denounced. That, that lots of people go, well, this kind of sounds right. 
But I want to tell you, it only sounds right if you're into Oprah Winfrey theology, not Jesus Christ theology. And that influence is there. Oh, let's all be loving. Let's don't talk about that Jesus is the way, truth, and the life. And the minute we begin to teach scripture now, have you ever noticed what's happening? People think we're being hateful. And I know we're not. I know we're not. Now, what I'm about to say, I don't mean to be over, I don't want to be insensitive to anybody here, but I really feel like this ought to be said. And I don't mean this as a personal attack. But let me tell you what's happened the last few weeks. I've had very well-meaning, good people come to me. Say, but Pastor Chuck, when you were preaching that message, it sounded like you were saying blank. And I go, well, I was because let me show you. And I showed them the scripture and they go, but I don't believe that. And they were pointing right at it. Now, now, you know why? They had never, ever had anybody teach them that part of the word. We're not supposed to pick and choose. It's all here. By the way, what did it say last week? Last week it said, if you have a spiritual gift from God and you don't use it, that you'd be put in a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I had someone go, but that can't be. And I go, it says it right here. They came back later and go, I went and looked at all the commentators and they all agree with you, but something's got to be wrong. And I go, you're wrong. But see, we don't like those things, so we want to ignore parts of the word of God. Here's where it gets scary. Then people get sucked in. They get sucked in. And and by the way, why are we asking you to check all these things? Everything on here is biblical. And and I've had people say, but that just seems so hard. No, no, by the way, none of this is hard. Carrying a cross is hard. You know, this, this is easy. You know, being in the word of God every day, if you love God, you know. But the reason we want you to do it is because we want you to cling to the true word of God and not be taken away. After the, the eight o'clock hour, I had two awesome men. They're good friends of mine come up and they go, I got to tell you what I think. They, they'd been talking. They said, you're preparing the church for the days before the rapture. And I said, you're right, we are. He goes, dude, we got to be ready for the rapture. And you're getting us ready. And, 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 and you know what? We need to be. We need to be because I want to tell you that in these last days, so many people are defecting from the truth and turning away to that which is a, it, it, by the way, the Bible calls it doctrine of demons. If it, Jesus Christ is not the only way, truth, and the life, it's a doctrine of demons. It's the most hateful thing you've ever heard, no matter how much it's disguised in love. No matter how much they, they put it, you know, in a nice sounding thing. You know why? Because it, it literally is the most evil thing that could happen to take people from the only way that God's love can be poured out upon them. And the apostasy is in front of us. The next thing is that the Antichrist would be revealed. Now, I know a lot of you are saying, who's the Antichrist? And I want to tell you, I don't know. I, but you know what? You ready for this? According to Revelation 13, those who are wise will know when he shows up. That's why when I have somebody say, oh, let's don't look at all that. I'm like, oh, Revelation 13 says those who have wisdom know. Those who have wisdom know. And when he comes, we'll know who he is. One of the signs of his coming, one of the signs it is who he is, is in the last days. Now, I want you to think about this. By the way, think about this. What I'm about to talk about is only something that could happen in our day and time. It couldn't have happened in 1950. It couldn't have happened in 1920. It's only now, but it's brand new to now. We're in a very unique time. But, but one of the signs of his coming, Daniel 9, 27 says this, he will make a peace treaty that, that allows temple worship to begin again. Now, the most holy site to the Jewish people is Temple Mount, where the temple at one time stood. It, the third most holy site to the Islamic people is Temple Mount, where the temple is supposed to be built. And the Christians, we love it. 
And so you got Christians and Jews and Islamic people all loving this same site. And if you've ever seen pictures of it, the Dome of the Rock sits on it. It's the most pronounced thing of all. It's an Islamic mosque, and it's a place that would be very honestly anti-Christian and anti-God. But it sits right in the midst of what we consider the most holy place ever. But here's what gets really interesting, is that archaeologists today, now it's a little bit controversial, but archaeologists today are saying the temple could be built on this site as long as it was built in a square. Turn to Revelation 11. Turn to Revelation 11. The temple could be built on this site, but only if it's a square. Now, now, while you're turning there, let me tell you something else and kind of lock this in your mind. Ezekiel 37 says one of the signs of the coming of the Lord is that Israel would be a nation again. That happened in 1948. Ezekiel 38 and 39 says one of the signs of the coming of the Lord is this vacant area of the world that was pretty much unpopulated in, in, in Ezekiel's day would become a superpower that would mount an army and attack Israel. And by the way, that area we know today is where Russia now exists. Do you think Russia can mount an army to attack Israel? Well, see, Ezekiel said it at a time it was uninhabited almost. So we're watching that happen. Then Ezekiel 40 through 42 talks about the third temple. But here's what's wild about the third temple. Ezekiel 42 verse 20. He measured it on four sides. It had a wall around it 500 in length and the width 500 to divide, the whole, or to divide between the holy and the profane. Now, if you'd studied scripture a lot, you'd go, well, wait a minute, something's wrong. Remember the tabernacle? The tabernacle was a rectangle, 150 feet long by 75 feet wide. The temple was larger than that, but it was modeled after the tabernacle. It was a rectangle. But Ezekiel said a day would come when the temple would be built as a square. And when it was built as a square, it would be to divide the holy from the profane. And Think about this. Thousands of years later, the mosque of Omar was put up there. And if you put a wall where it would separate, it would now be built in a square. How would he know that? How would he know? And by the way, for a long time, the rabbi said, why would we ever not build the temple as a rectangular shape? Look at Revelation chapter 11. It says this. Then there was given me a measuring rod like a staff, and someone said, get up and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship in it. But notice verse 2. Leave out the court which is outside the temple and do not measure it, for it has been given to the nations. They will tread it underfoot, the holy city, for 42 months. Now, now notice what he said. He goes, I want you to measure, but don't put in the outer court. In other words, make it a square. And now here's the point. Jesus said, you'll know you're in the last days when Jerusalem's in the hand of the Jews, but this has been given to the world, the nations. And what you need to realize, and I think many of you, you've got to know this, that right now, every major political group in the world is trying to make, bring peace to the Middle East. Uh, uh, China has tried to bring peace to the Middle East. The European Union is actively trying to bring peace to the Middle East, especially to Israel. Uh, uh, the United States has constantly been involved in this. Economist magazine recently said this, every major president in modern times is going to be judged on their ability to enact foreign policy based on what happens with the land of Israel. And this area is the most important linchpin to whether there'll be peace or not. And the Bible says in the last days, a man will rise up who will allow a temple worship to happen, but on the other side of where it would normally be, there would be something profane. And all we need now is a man to rise up in the political scene who brings a peace treaty in Israel that allows the building of the temple. 
Now, it is worth noting, if you haven't caught this, Rabbi Kayem Richmond, who heads the Temple Institute, shared with Pam and I recently, but any of you can go see it. Every piece of furniture they need to be built in the temple has already been made. It's sitting there waiting. All the priestly garments are waiting. The priesthood's been trained and ready. The cornerstone actually is ready to be laid. A few years ago, they brought the cornerstone out. It caused a riot because they wanted to go put it in its spot. And, and I mean, I got to tell you, if, if the Antichrist arises and brings this peace treaty, they're going to put that temple up fast. As a matter of fact, I think Crossroads is going to donate money to it. You know, we're going to help out. But, but actually, we are. And, uh, and, and God said, you'll know you're in these days when this happens. And the whole world, the whole world politically is watching this tension and waiting for someone to bring the solution. And it's going to happen, and you'll be able to spot him. By the way, in Revelation 11, I, I want to tell you something that hit me. Uh, after the temple is built, two men will arise. They'll begin to preach the truth of God, but the world will hate them for it. By the way, again, whenever we begin to preach the truth of God, there's so many people who go, oh, you're judgmental, you're insensitive, you're unloving. And no, the truth isn't that. We want people to be set free from sin. We want them to know God's love, but, but we can't do it if we can't tell what sin is. But these men will do that, and they'll be hated by the world, and they'll be killed by the Antichrist. And when they die, I want you to read what happens. Verse 7. When they have finished their testimony, the beast that comes up out of the abyss will make war with them and overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is mystically called Sodom and Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified. Where was Jesus crucified? Jerusalem. They'll lie in Jerusalem. It goes, verse 9. Those people and tribes and tongues and nations will look at their dead body for three and a half days and not permit their dead bodies to be laid in a tomb. The reason this one hits me is uh, I was sitting at my computer and up popped a, a news alert that Muammar Gaddafi had been killed. I couldn't wait to get home to turn on CNN, but when I turned it on, I, I couldn't watch very long. Because over and over and over again, what did they show? His dead body. Anybody else see that? Did you see it? Just over and over again, dead, the dead body of Muammar Gaddafi. I mean, they switched between that and scenes of him before he was killed. And I sat there thinking, this is last days. Henry was telling me something interesting. Henry said that, that when the Iraq war broke out, are you ready for this? It would take six hours to upload films so we could watch what was happening somewhere else in the world. Today, it takes six seconds. Now, are you ready? A few years ago, the technology didn't exist to go live like that. It was, it was kind of there. Today, we're at a point where anything anywhere in the world can be shown for all of us to see. Now, I want to ask you, back when John wrote Revelation, was it possible? No. In the 1950s, was it possible? No. In the 1980s, it wasn't possible. It's only in our day and time we're ready to see this occur. But there's something else. You don't have to agree with me. I'm going to tell you my opinion. Ten years ago, I don't think we would have showed a dead body on TV. You guys think about it. In 10 years ago, would they show dead bodies on TV? But today, they do it over and... Didn't they just do it? The world's gotten to a place where it's ready to do what the Bible said it would do. We are in those last days. And the, the Antichrist is going to be revealed. The apostasy is going to take hold. And Jesus talked about the sign of his coming. But I want us to key in on one major point of sign. 
Matthew 24. Turn to Matthew 24 with me, and I want you to see what it says there. Jesus is going to list off the signs of his coming, but I want to key in on one particular one because it's something that you and I need to be involved in. It's a part of why we're doing 24-7, why we want this to take place. Luke chapter, or Matthew chapter 24, verse 4. And Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you. By the way, a lot of people are being misled. A lot of people are being misled. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. And you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened for these things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places, there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Now, bonus verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and will kill you and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. And at that time, this is the apostasy. Many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another and many false prophets will arise and mislead many. There will be people standing up claiming to be pastors going, no, 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 don't, don't say that Jesus is the only way. Don't cling to that truth. And I want to tell you, you probably, some of you are sitting here today going, I can't imagine a time where even in the United States they would hate us for being Christians. Jesus said that day would come. And one of my prayers is, whether it's a year from now or 10 years from now or 20 years from now, that when that day comes, that you would rather die than deny Christ. And you might say, I don't know if I'll be faithful. Yes, you do. If you're faithful now, you'll be faithful then. If you're his now completely, you'll be his then. He'll give you the strength. And if you say, well, I can't even imagine a day like that, it's already happening in Iran. It's already happening in, in other parts of the world. And a day will happen where the world will turn on us. But you know what? Our plan is not to abdicate, but to stand strong in those moments. And we need to be ready. We need to be wholehearted. We need to be committed. God wants us to be so we aren't those that turn away and fall away. And then it says this in verse 12. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. This, this gospel shall be preached in all nations. The word nation is actually ta ethne in the Greek. It means ethnic group, not, not governments like we think of. It's that every single ethnic group will hear. Now, I want to tell you something exciting. I don't know if you get excited about this, but when you came in, if you came in this way today, you saw a beautiful scroll out there that a friend of mine sent us from their mission agency. And on it is the name of every unreached people group that's left to be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only is the group on there, but you can see the population of that group on there. And after church today, I hope you go out and stop and choose a place and kneel down and pray for that group. But are you ready? My friend Eric's going to be here November 30th. He'll share this with you. Their mission agency, along with the other mission agencies around the world, have agreed to, to align themselves and strategize together to reach those groups. They believe they can reach every single group in 14 years. That we can reach the last people group with the gospel of Jesus Christ in 14 years. They believe that's possible. And, and that's how close we are to fulfilling this sign. That every Ta ethne group would know about the love of God. And you might say, okay, wow, that, that's shocking. You ready? We are going to be a part of that. We are helping Eric. We are helping those groups. We are strategizing to, to empower people to bring this message of hope and love. And Crossroads is a key part of it. We're not the only ones, praise God, but there's other churches, but we're joining in. 
And we live in a day and a time like that. Here's what I want to have you think of. In these last days, why were you born? It's not an accident you were born. God in his sovereignty knew that you would be born. He knew that you would be the person you are with the personality and the giftedness and, and, and the talent he would bestow upon you. I, I shared last week, and I hope you got it, you matter more than you know. But you matter more than you know in the greatest time that's ever existed and the day we should be found most faithful. You matter more than ever in the cause of Christ in a time we've got to be the church that's light in a dark world. You personally matter to God because he loves you. You matter to God's cause because he's empowered you. And I hope you know that you're meant to live out every ins- everything that God's called you to do. With every ounce of energy you have, we need to be completely his. Because God is reaching people and he wants us to join in that. Are you ready for this? More Islamic people have given their lives to Jesus Christ in the last 10 years than the last 15 centuries combined. Something's going on today. In 1979, there were 500 known Christians in Iran. Today, there's 220,000 known Christians in a place of persecution. In Iraq, before 2003, we only knew of 600 Christians in all the country of Iraq. Today, there's 70,000 known believers. 70,000. And uh, I'm not being political. I just want to say this. Praise God for our military that brought freedom so the gospel could go in. And that was the hand of God. I mean, that was the hand of God that opened that door. We're seeing God move. You're going to hear about it more on the 30th to reach in an area that everybody said was unreachable with power, with might, with love, with transformation. God is doing that. And God wants you to experience it. God wants you to have this. God wants this to be for you. That's what I, I, I think what we we're trying to say is, man, what a day to live with the Lord. In John 17, Jesus said, this is eternal life that they may know you. Know you the Father and the Lord Jesus whom he sent. The word know is a Greek word to know by experience. The Asa Shema, the 24-7, is about truly coming into an experiential relationship with God. Where you really know him. Where you sit with him and you talk with him and at times he speaks and guides you. Where, where he He unveils things about you that he wants you to know and areas that he's ready to change. Because by the way, don't you want to change the way God wants you to? And and then he he shows you things he wants to bless you with and, and, and things he wants you to see. But in the midst of it all, God says, but you can touch that life. You can make that difference. And while no one of us can do it alone, this church together with churches across this world together, we can be used to shake, to shake this world and to take down the gates of hell. And this time, we can't do it half-hearted. We can't do it halfway. And if you're brand new here, you probably already know that if you're going to give your life to Christ, it's all or nothing. It seems like the people who don't know God get that. They're like, yeah, man, if I'm going to become a Christian, that means it's everything. Well, let me tell you, it's going to cost you everything, but he's going to give you more than you know. You take the little that's in your hand and go, okay, God, here I am. And some of it's hard to let go of. Then God says, oh, but you keep your arms out because I'm going to bless you back. I'm going to love you back. I'm going to draw you close to me. If you've never met God, that's what he wants you to do. And and, and I want you to think about it. If you've been wondering, is Christianity true? Just prophetically, how could the Bible know all these things? About all the things that are happening, 
You start thinking that it's literally impossible. And the Bible is the only book that is 100% correct prophetically. It was right about Jesus' first coming. It's right about his second. That, that doesn't take into account the historic accuracy, the archaeology, everything within it. You know why? Because we're hand, holding in our hands the very mind of God that he's chosen to reveal to us. But I want to tell you, you know what the main message is here? That God loves you. That you matter to him. It doesn't matter what you've done. He wants to forgive you. That's what the cross is for. It doesn't matter how weak you think you are. He wants to empower you. That's the Holy Spirit's for. And if you look in the mirror, guess what? He says you're worth it. He loves you. And what he wants you to do is to open yourself up to him and commit your life to him completely. How do you do that? Well, the first step is to tell him you're ready to do it. And today, if you've never said yes to God, I'm gonna challenge you today out of love. Please say yes to him. Pray a prayer with me where you tell God yes. Today, if you're someone who's a Christian, but you're not living wholeheartedly for God, maybe you've fallen away. Maybe you've done something a Christian should never do. By the way, if you have, if you're a Christian and you've done something a Christian should never do, do you know how God feels about you? He couldn't love you more than he does. He just loves you. He wants you back. Maybe you're just saying, I've never committed completely. I can't tell you the number of people said, well, one day I think I will. Why not today be the day you will? Why not today? Just say, I'm going to be completely committed. You won't be sorry when you throw yourself in the hands of a God who loves you like this. And you matter more than you know. So today we're going to pray, and I'm going to ask that God would touch people's hearts and lives. And I'm hoping and praying that some of you will say yes to God. Some for the first time, some to come back, some to be healed of hurt and pain. So now you're freed from all that. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you. And I know I'm in a church that just, we love you. And we, we know that this is a time where we need to more than ever be true to your word. And I pray we'd always be found to be that kind of church. That we'd stay on course. We'd stay completely committed to the things you've said. Because we love you, Lord, we want to obey all your commands and we want to hold and preach the truths that you've given us. And God, today I pray that all our people would be people who have committed to you completely. I know for some right now, Lord, it's a struggle, but I pray by your help, they are able to do it. And then they'll look and realize how you've strengthened them and how you've opened opportunities for them. And life becomes amazing. Lord, today, I believe there's some people here who need to make a commitment to you. So I ask that your Holy Spirit come upon them. I ask that your spirit actually come. Lord, we want to sense your presence. Reveal your presence to us. And I pray like in this moment that your love would be so apparent to some, they would say yes to you. God, I think that right now there's someone, their heart is starting to beat faster and faster and they know this is their time. And I pray today they would, they would pray this prayer and they'd come. Lord, I think there's someone here today who the last two weeks, they've known they need to do this. They've even whispered the prayer, but they've not gone all the way through. I pray right now they would realize it's time. Lord, there's someone here today who thinks they've tried it before, but they, they've never been able to completely live it out. And I pray today they would quit looking at what they do and start looking at what you can do for them. 
Oh God, you love them. And I pray right now they would know it. And they wouldn't be worried about failing. They would just be so in love with you to say they just want to be ready. So God, I pray for every person here today who needs to say yes to you. I pray for a person that had a dream. And they're shocked that we're talking about them. And and this is their moment. This is what guided them to this. So Lord, I pray you'd help everybody now who needs to open their heart to you, say yes to you and commit to you. For the change that's about to happen, we praise you. I pray you'd help them now. I wanna ask that we keep praying. And right now, while we're praying, I'm gonna invite anybody here who wants to say yes to God, to commit their life to the Lord, to recommit, to pray this prayer with me. If you're a Christian, would you do this? Would you start praying for people who need to do this? Start praying for them. And right now, I'm gonna gonna lead a prayer. I'm gonna ask you to start this process by whispering this prayer with me. Say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you died on the cross to forgive me of all my sin and cleanse me completely. The guilt is gone. I'm yours. You want to free me, Lord, from fear. You want to free me from the past. You want to bring healing to the hurts and pains I've had so I'm brand new. And you want me to be yours. And I want to be yours. And I want to be brand new and alive. So please fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your love. Make me yours completely. And I pray this, Jesus, in your name. Loving you, accepting you, wanting to be yours. Amen. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer today, praise God.